Hi, and welcome to the Deeper Than Money podcast. I am your host, Chloe Elise. I'm a millennial money coach, speaker, dog mom, and a seven on the Enneagram. And I am on a mission to prove to you that finances can be fun and easy. On the Deeper Than Money podcast, we will dive into all things millennial finance, debt, saving, mindset, and how to have financial freedom to enjoy life in your 20s and 30s. I want you to leave this podcast with more confidence around your moolah and the belief that your biggest financial dreams are possible for you. So let's talk money. Welcome back to the Deeper Than Money podcast. Before we dive in, here is your reminder that if you are either a small business owner, if you are someone who uh, you know is starting a small business or wants to start a small business, or maybe you have a hobby that you're making money from that should actually be registered and set up as a small business, um, this month's masterclass is perfect for you. It's all about small business finances, and we are going deep into how to set up your business finances for success um, and all of the different things. I'll put a link in the show notes for um, you know learning more about that and everything, and you can check that out. Um, you, there's it's if you're listening to this podcast as it drops in real time you have about less than a week to go ahead and sign up for that and it's going to be such a good one i unfortunately see all of the time from clients or, or friends or um whoever just people who have really who own a business but have ignored their business finances or put it off or said oh once i you know once i make X amount of money, then I'll deal with it. And then they get to that point where they make money and or whatever they wanted to, and it's such a dumpster fire. And now they have to go back and fix things, and it's just such a mess. So, um, business finances are something that you you truly want to set up from the gate from the get go correctly. Um, so, if you are again, you're crushing it in business, you're starting a business, you want to start a business this masterclass is for you. You can sign up um, for $37 just for the one-time thing, um, the one-time masterclass, or you can join the monthly masterclass for $24. So each month you're charged $24 and you get to go to a new masterclass. Okay, now let's dive into this week's episode. And we're gonna talk about five things I've done to change my money patterns. So first, let's talk about what a money pattern is. Um, You know, you can think of it as kind of your drink of choice when it comes to self-sabotage. What are the things that you're always feeling like, oh my gosh, I always blank, you know, I always overspend or I always, you know, forget to cancel subscriptions. I always am, you know, just reckless with my money or irresponsible or you know end up paying late fees or whatever it is um or maybe it's like you always catch yourself living paycheck to paycheck or no matter how much you make you always feel broke like whatever it is those are money patterns where we're we're experiencing the same thing happen over and over and over with money when we want a different outcome 
okay, when we want a different result. So if you want <clears throat> to feel so wealthy and supported and excited and just feel good and neutral with money, but instead you always feel stuck and you always feel no matter what's going on that something comes up and you're always stuck. That's an example, right? Like the, of, of like, Hey, here's my money patterns that I want to break out of. And so for me in my life, I've it's, and it's a continuous battle, right? I don't want to say battles if it's like a negative thing. It's a continuous journey. I'm still breaking out of money patterns all the time. Not only my kind of original money patterns that can sometimes resurface at new levels, but also new patterns, right? I, I break through out of, you know, the first money pattern of like feeling broke and get to this new level. And then it's like, okay, well, you have to break through, you know, you, you break out of being broke to feeling like, okay. And then you want to break out of feeling okay to feeling really good. And then you want to break out of really good to feel unbelievably safe with money and then you want to break out of unbelievably safe to feel unbelievably safe and there's always more and then you want to break you know and it's it's a continuous journey um it's really difficult to just one day you know you feel broke every day of your life and then the next day you're like I broke out of my money patterns and now I'm rich as shit and I will never feel stressed about money again and I feel great and I'm you know wealthy and we see this all the time with um you know for example like people who win the lottery that doesn't just fix your money patterns um in fact i think it's uh, i i I always um messed up if it's 70 or 80 percent. i think it's 80 percent, but i'll have to fact check this i'll put it in the show notes um but between 70 to 80 percent, i believe of people who win the lottery go broke go bankrupt not even broke go bankrupt um after winning the lottery and again you should be like well you just won the lottery all of your money patterns are fixed but the thing is, more money doesn't fix our money patterns. And you've, if you've heard or if you haven't heard, go back and listen to my podcast episode about your money thermostat. And that's the same thing when I'm talking about your money patterns and how to break out of them. We have a thermostat that our money patterns are set at that we will continue to stay in the same money patterns if we do not break out of them. Um, and continue to to grow and evolve with them. So these are five things that I have done and I continue to do consistently in order to continue to level up my money patterns in the same way I am building wealth. Um, It's it's really, really, really important like we were talking about a second ago with the people who win the lottery, that at the same time you're building wealth, you're also consciously working through your money patterns so that you don't self-sabotage back into those patterns with this new amount of money that you've acquired. Okay, so let's talk about what what the five things I have done and consistently do to work through old money patterns and get to higher levels of wealth building and neutrality with money and all these awesome things and healing my relationship with money. Okay, so number one. Number one is probably the most important. You've probably heard me talk about it before, but it is... That was my drum roll. Hey, that was pretty good, rolling my R's. That was pretty good. Therapy. Yay, therapy. Um, I'm a huge advocate of therapy, of going to therapy, 
Rosie just came in and Millie and Rosie, my dogs, now have to see each other and hug each other and jump all over me. Hello, Rosie. Thank you for joining us for the podcast episode. Um, they're, they're truly my therapy dogs. Whenever I have therapy, they like come and lay with me and they're like, yay, mom is going to sit down and cuddle with us. Um, but anyway, therapy. And I used to kind of like, you know, roll my eyes at therapy of like, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, yeah, therapy sounds nice. But like I can work through things on my own and blah, blah, blah. And now after, um, I would, I've been to therapy like multiple times in my life. Um, I was kind of like forced into going to therapy when I was a teenager because I, you know, had some stuff going on and, I hated it. My parents basically like made me go and I despised going, did not open up. Like it was such a chore. I was so closed off to it that I didn't really get much out of it from my perspective. Um, then I went again. Uh, let's see. I went again in 2016. Um, for a couple months, I went through a breakup. I was like really struggling with like self-worth and one, I think one of my friends, um, I'm almost positive. One of my really good friends, shout out to, um, you smalls, um, was like, dude, you're in a, you know, dark place. Go to, you know, just try out therapy. Um, and so I was like, fine, whatever I went, I went to one therapist we did not vibe. Um, the therapist was older and I just felt like, I don't know, kind of like, I just, I don't know. I just, we, we didn't vibe. And so I just kind of thought, you know what, like, ah, okay, I've tried therapy twice. Like not, not my vibe. And then, um, I did it again in 2019, but like barely. And again, didn't vibe with my therapist, but didn't really try to find somebody else. Then, um, COVID happened. And so like, obviously everything was shut down. And so then, um, in 2021, this spring, it was like February, I was like really struggling with anxiety. And I was like, okay, I really need to, um, go back to therapy and really find a therapist I vibe with. So I did a, like, I did a ton of research. It's really easy. Um, if you're looking for a therapist, you can go to like, um, just search, like find a therapist near me. And it's, I forget what this website is called now. For some reason, I'm thinking like psychology today or something. I don't know. Um, but it basically has, it's kind of like dating profiles for therapists and it has, um, you know, the name of the therapist and then it has kind of what they specialize in and it has, you know, do they do in person or do they do phone call or do they do Zoom and all these things? And then it has um, what insurances they take and whatever. So I went on there and well, actually my assistant went on there for me and like found some people. And then I went in and like looked at the different things that they talked about and found someone who, you know, the kind of like age range I was looking for or whatever. So had a couple consultations found somebody I really vibed with. So started with her in February and it's been like the great. So now how many months is that? March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. It's almost November. So nine, nine months. Um, and it's so, it's so amazing. And this will be my longest like bullet point, but I promise I'm like such an advocate for therapy and yes, 
for anyone who's like, I don't need therapy, like, there's no downside of it, in my opinion. There's no downside of it. And you have the potential, like, the potential um, outcome is so great and so high. And I, like, I'm honestly, I owe so much of how I have matured and how I've healed and what I've been working on to therapy because number one um you're just forced to sit there and not avoid things um I'm very big at like I'm I feel like I'm a lot of times distracted right I'm like working I'm hanging out with friends I'm watching a show I'm doing you know I'm reading a book I'm doing whatever And there's always things going through my mind of like, oh, I need to do this or this or this. And instead of, you know, actually facing like, what am I feeling right now? So therapy has really helped me to show up for myself. And the biggest thing that it has helped me do is respond instead of react and identify what I'm actually feeling and what I'm actually experiencing and my beliefs around so many different things that has helped me so much with with my relationship with money but so much more outside of that as well um and I I can't recommend it enough I cannot recommend it enough even um I would say try it for like find a therapist that's in in network um if you have insurance and then find, you know, someone you vibe with and then try it for a couple of months because in the beginning they're still like learning you. And so you're like introducing yourself and kind of telling your story. But now, you know, when I get on the phone with my therapist, she knows me, right? She knows what are the things that I have, um, you know, been through and experienced and blah, 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 blah. So it's not like every time it's like, hi, I'm Chloe. It's like, she knows, right? <laughs> you know, the TikTok's like, she knows. She, I know she knows. <laughs> That's what I just thought of. But, um, but yeah, I, I can't say it enough. Um, and just recognizing so many patterns in myself that I didn't know that I had. Um, and not even from my therapist being like, did you know that you had this? But from her, you know, me telling a story and her being like, oh, you know, what are other times you've, you felt that way? And just talking about that and saying, oh, well, where did you learn that from? Or, oh, is that true? Or, um, is that how you want to feel? Is that how you want to experience life? And I'll be like, oh my gosh, no, that's not. But it's just been my reality for so long in that particular instance that I'm, I'm just, I didn't even realize it. Right. Um, so therapy, big, big one, biggest one, go to therapy. I cannot say it enough. Okay. The second thing I've done to change my money patterns, and I promise I'll speed this up a little bit. So this episode isn't forever long. The second thing I've done is, and a lot of this has stemmed from therapy, but let's say I'm in therapy and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just like realized this thing I was taught or how I believe in this or whatever. And I want to change that. The second thing I've done is once I have kind of identified that pattern is being able to call that pattern out to people who can also lovingly hold me accountable and and call me out for that. So this is 
kind of an example of that. But so as um, maybe you know, because it's all I've pretty much posted about on Instagram, I have my sister just had a baby and um, I went and stayed with her. So I actually went up. um, She lives up in Iowa and I went up there on her due date because I wanted to be there when she was born. And she ended up being like two and a half weeks late. So I was there for two weeks unexpectedly. And it was so funny. I packed like three outfits. So I was like rewearing the same outfit every day. Um, and just like working from there, bouncing around friends' houses because I have a lot of friends who live in the same town that she does and whatever. I mean, it was a fun experience, but um, I was so glad that I got to be there when she was born. So then I came back to Kansas City and then I went back up um, to stay with her for like two weeks and um, help out, right? I cooked a bunch of meals and, you know, helped with the baby and just hung out with my sister and like all the things. And um, (laughs) anyway, so my sister and I were four years apart. She's literally like my best friend. And obviously we're very, we're very similar. Um, and so we love to, a lot of the same patterns that I have, she has similar ones. And so I'm always telling her like, oh my gosh, I had this epiphany or I had this breakthrough or whatever. And one, and we talk also recently, we've been talking a ton about parenting, like how, how she's going to parent or what she's going to teach or what she's going to say or whatever. And one of the things that I learned in um, therapy when we were talking about um, you know, parenting or whatever. And one of the things I learned, I kind of like saw this actually on a TikTok video and then I talked to my therapist about it, but is this idea of how you label kids and how kids are labeled and, you know, like growing up or by, by friends or by parents or in schools or whatever. And, um, so we talked about this idea of, um, how you describe kids, how you describe kids. Come on, Millie, come on. My dogs are like, they want to be in and out. Millie wants to come join us on the podcast. How you describe kids. And um, oftentimes kids are described as good or bad. Like, oh my gosh, you're being so good. You're being so good. You didn't cry. You're being so good. Or like, you know, if you're, if a kid is throwing a tantrum, you'll hear a parent say like, oh, you're being so bad. You know, you need to be good or whatever. And so in this example, you know, when a kid hears that, like you're being good or you are good or you are bad, that can be a very unhelpful phrase, right? Because they, there's no descriptiveness in there. It's just telling them they are good or they are bad, right? Whereas instead, if instead of saying, oh, you're so good, you're so good. If instead saying, oh, you were so attentive, you were so helpful, you were so caring, you were so blank. It helps the child understand instead of like, I am good or I am bad, like, oh, I was being helpful, right? And so it's like tied to things or instead of like, you're being bad, it's like, you know, you weren't listening very well there. You weren't whatever. And I told my sister this and I was like, isn't that so crazy? Because I can remember in school all the time being like, oh, if you're good, you know, we can go to recess early or something and wanting to be good instead of these descriptive words of wanting to be helpful and wanting to be whatever. 
and um, which are less like blanket terms. Plus, don't even get me started on the different descriptive terms that we use in our society on, you know, boys versus girls, but whatever. Okay, I'm getting off on a tangent. I gotta, I gotta bring it back because we're already at like 20 minutes. Um, and so that was one where I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. So I told my sister and I was like, isn't that nuts? Like, isn't that such like an aha moment? And she was like, oh my gosh, that's so, that's so wild. So like, let's, you know, practice it. So then with Hallie, my sister's baby, uh, you know, we're going on a walk or something and she's like cooing and sleeping and we get back and I'm like, oh, Hallie, you were so good. And Chelsea's like, Chloe, you said good. And I was like, oh no. So I was like, you're right. I didn't even notice this. I'm like, Hallie, you were so attentive. You were so calm. You were so peaceful. It was so fun being around you. And so I'm like using the descriptive words. And then the next day we're doing something and, um, or, uh, I think Chelsea was like burping her or something and she burped and Chelsea's like, Oh, good girl. And I was like, you said it. And she's like, Oh my gosh. And, And then she's like, okay, okay. Hallie, that was such a good burp. You're, you know, working so hard. And so whatever. And so again, it's an example where the reason patterns are so hard to break is because we're in them we're in them and so whether it's something that you say or something you do or um you know that was an example about money but it was just on the on the um top of my mind because that's something that my sister and I have been like challenging each other on um of like really being descriptive on on that because we just, you know, spent so much time together or whatever. So having someone to tell, and I've told my friends or, um, you know, whoever about like, Hey, oh my gosh, I just figured out this pattern. I'll give you another example. I'll give you one other example, um, of like a pattern that I kind of figured out about myself that now I'm, I'm really, really working to unlearn and to work through. So one of the things that, um, and this is again through therapy, this is through therapy that I, that I really, um, kind of had this epiphany and I was like, holy shit, I cannot believe I never realized this. Um, one time I was talking about how in my family, I'm an older sister and a younger brother and how my older sister was always so helpful. That was like her role in the family. She was always helping with me and my younger brother. She was helping around the house. She was help- she was like always doing chores, always doing something to help. And that was like her thing of like the second, like her cue in the family, her role in the family, her responsibility in the family was like the helper. And I was telling my therapist, I was like, I don't, I don't really know what my role was. Um, we're talking about like roles and um, in the family. And I was like, I don't really know what mine was. And she was like, okay, just like walk me through. Like you said, right, you know, your sister was like always like the one to help. And that was like, as soon as people got home, that was like her role. She was like, talk me through when when people came home, you know, your dad came up for dinner, your mom came up for work. Like what, talk me through like what you would do or whatever. And I, this is where I had this epiphany of, I was like, well, I mean, first I would figure out what mood they were in. And she was like, well, why would you do that? And I was like, well, because then I would try to figure out like what I needed to do. Like if I needed to make them laugh or if I needed to like be nice or if I, I, I had to figure out what mood they were in so I could like fix it if I needed to. And she was like, okay, there's your role in the family. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it was this huge epiphany for me because I do this all the time. 
when I'm with my friends. The second my friends walk through the door, the first thing I do is figure out what mood they're in. Or I will explicitly say, what mood are you in if I don't know? Because I need to understand their mood to figure out if there's a way I can fix it. Um, So again, as an example, one of my best friends, Brie, um, she actually moved into the same apartment building that I do, that I live in almost a year ago, which is so fun. Um, Feels like it was like just yesterday, but she lives same apartment, same floor, like three doors down. We, it's basically like bougie college because we just like go to each other's apartments and it's so fun. Um, But anyway, she is very different from me. I mean, we're sa- we're similar in a lot of ways, but very different from me in the sense of she is an Enneagram 8. She is an introvert. In a lo- She's an extrovert, but like she recharges alone. She loves being alone. She loves having alone time. Um, she like, some- whereas I love being with people. I love, um, like I get my energy from being with people. And so there are times when she's not in a bad mood. She just like does not want to be around people. And so I'll text her and be like, hey, do you want to hang out or like you want to come over? And she'll be like, eh, no. And then, you know, let's say she she needs like to borrow salt or something. She'll come over. And at first, when she first moved in, I would be like, oh my gosh, she's so mad. Like, how can I fix her mood? Um, what do I need to do? All these things. And then I would just realize oh no and I kind of like would learn her mood to the point where I know now when she's in a mood where she just wants to be alone it's not that she's anything she truly just like that's how she recharges and so I will ask her all the time are you are you just do you just need to recharge and be alone or are you in a bad mood and she'll be like oh I just need to recharge or she'll be like oh I'm in a bad mood if she says she's in a bad mood I'm immediately like okay how can I fix it and again, and so I'm talking with my therapist about this. My therapist is like, why do you feel like you are responsible for fixing other people's moods? Again, that for me was a huge epiphany, the realization of a huge pattern in my life. And I was like, holy cow, that's so crazy. And so now I take inventory all the time that when each person walks into a room, I try to notice what my thoughts are. And a lot of times, my pattern, my thoughts are what mood is this person in? Which again is pretty crazy that my subconscious has been doing this since I was a child and I never even really realized it. So that is a pattern that I am actively noticing. I'm actively, you know, um, you know, look, listening to my thoughts, understanding what those thoughts are. And then, um, instead of just operating on autopilot from those thoughts, taking a step back and saying, why do I feel like I need to fix this person's mood? Or um, just, did this person ask me (laughs) to fix their mood or whatever? Um, So again, until you identify these patterns, you cannot fix them. You cannot change them. You cannot work through them. And again, I'm, I'm not saying they have to be good or bad, but if they are leading to a different result than what you want, it's important to know them and you cannot fix them until you're aware of them. So by me telling my friends like, oh my gosh, I, you know, working through this right now of trying to not fix other people's moods. Anytime I'm like, wait, what mood are you in? My friends will say like, why are you so worried about my mood? You know, like, hey, you're, you know, and they'll kind of call me out on it. And it really helps me be like, oh, you're right. <laughs> that's so crazy. And then I can um, be more conscious about it instead of being on autopilot. 
So that's number two. Number three, and I'll try to go through these pretty quickly since we are closer to 30 minutes. Um, number three, de-hulkifying before buying. That is a name, a made-up word. Um, but if you've ever been in a state, which I would bet some of you have experienced this, where you feel like you immediately turn into the Hulk and purchase something before even thinking through it, that is... Um, oftentimes, uh, you know, we can't even see through our patterns because we're on autopilot. We turn into the Hulk of, I want that. And then we check out before we even think through it. And so number three of working through your money patterns and changing your money patterns is de-hulkifying before buying, um, which this simply means get conscious, like get aware before you press checkout. Um, for me, a big thing is there are times when I don't even want what I'm buying, right? There are times where I put something in my cart and I go to buy it and then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stay, I'm going to like leave this, leave my cart here. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to get a drink and then I'm going to come back and then I'll, I'll buy it quick. Um, but first I'm going to go do those things to kind of get out of this state of like Hulk of like, I see an Instagram ad. I click, I buy. So I'll set it down. I'll go to the bathroom. I'll get water. I'll come back. And I'll say, do I really want this? Or is this something that's going to end up as clutter in my apartment? Do I really want this? Or did I just get sad about something and want to feel good? The, you know, dopamine hit of buying something. Do I really want this? And then I'll, I'll be conscious um, and be aware of what is it? What is the reason behind spending? And is this an alignment? And then I'll buy. It's not about like, then you can stop yourself from purchasing. It's about making sure that that purchase is truly in alignment before doing that. And that can help you to be more aware of your money patterns. Okay, number four, purposeful consciousness. So this is a little more woo-woo. But again, when we are constantly on autopilot, we are oftentimes not conscious. Like literally our unconscious mind is ruling our day. Uh, like if you've ever driven to work, like the same routine drive and you're like, I don't even remember like driving here. Like if you asked me how, I don't know, like what, how many red lights I hit or how many cars were on the road, I have no idea. Like I blinked and I was, I was there. It's because we aren't being conscious, right? We're just like on, on autopilot. And so a lot of times when we're on autopilot, are the script of our autopilot is those patterns with money or with other things. And so try this purposeful consciousness. And this can be like meditation. This can be like yoga. This can be whatever. Um, but even starting small of like right now or like after this podcast episode is done, sit there and do not let yourself go anywhere else. Sit in the moment. Think about how it smells and how the air, like what the, what's the temperature? Like, are you cold? Are you warm? Can you feel your clothes on your body? Can you, what do you see? What are the colors? Like, what is this moment? And you'll feel after a little bit that immediately you start to think, oh crap, I didn't do, I need to grab that at the store. And did I return that thing to Target? And where? No, bring your mind back to that moment. And keep practicing that because it will keep you out of those moments of, of autopilot more and more. And then you can kind of ramp up how often you do it. 
to where you're making more conscious decisions so you can work on spending in alignment and making intentional decisions with money instead of spending on autopilot via your old patterns. Okay, and last one is future casting. One of the big problems, I would say, with your money patterns is that your money patterns, if left on autopilot, will likely keep you, the the result is the same place you're in right now. It is likely the same place you're in right now. The trajectory of your money patterns is sameness. It's sameness because your brain, your brain wants you in your comfort zone. It wants you in your comfort zone. That's why, um, you know, for example, we have um, like Wealth Accelerator is our um, 12-week transformational group coaching program. And we have so many people, we have so many people who have been applying and then, you know, they get on an application call with my team. My team goes over, you know, the investment and everything. And then, you know, people are like, oh, I'm so scared to invest in myself. And it's like, well, yeah, you should be nervous. You're going outside of your comfort zone and your brain is like, no, don't go outside of the comfort zone. I love being on autopilot. I love being stuck. I love getting the same result every single time because I feel safe. What if you go and invest in yourself and that, you know, and then you start doing all these other things and then you start getting different results. What if paying off debt aggressively or starting to invest? What if we don't know the result of that? We don't know what that looks like. We don't know what it's like to be wealthy. We don't know what it's like to be able to go on the trips. We don't know what it's like to be able to do those things. And I want to keep you in the sameness because I want to keep you in the comfort zone because I want to keep you safe. That's how your brain works. And so when people are like, I'm nervous to invest, it's like, well, duh, well, duh, you're going outside of your comfort zone and your brain wants to keep you on your autopilot of your same patterns doing the same thing because it knows the result and the result. And if it knows the result, then it can keep you safe. So it's like, duh. Um, But further than that, it's like, well, I don't want the same result. I don't want the same result. I want a new result, which is why it's okay to be nervous to invest in yourself and invest in yourself anyway, or nervous to quit your job, but quit your job anyway, or nervous to whatever that is, but do it anyway, because it's, it's okay to want to break out of that as you should. If you have big dreams of wanting to build wealth, but your money patterns of what you've seen, you know, your parents do, your grandparents do, or um, your friends do or whatever is stay stuck or stay, I don't know, um, just not building wealth or whatever it is. Like, it's okay to want to break out of that. That's completely fine, but you have to be willing to get uncomfortable because you're going against this autopilot. You're going against your money patterns. And so with that, you know, my last thing that I do all the time is future casting is saying, I know I will, I'm going to write down the result I want in a year, in five years, in 10 years. This is what I want my future to look like. And my future cannot look like that if I am following these same money patterns, if I am creating the same autopilot patterns every single day, every single week, every single month, because I know that by following my autopilot, I will stay very similarly in the place I am now. And I don't want that. I don't want that, right? I want something different. So for me, it's so easy to write out that future that I want and then ask myself, 
What are the changes that I need to make now in order to get to that outcome instead of staying on autopilot and getting the same result? So I know this is a longer episode, but those are the five things. I mean, I honestly, I could do a part two. I could do a part three probably because there's so many things that I'm, I do and am, am doing. Um, and also I wanted to make this episode because right now I am in this really freaking awesome space of healing, healing and, uh, working through things and it's work, man. Like it is freaking work to heal and to change and to rewrite these patterns but it is good work. Like it is, it is so rewarding and just so, so good. And, um, and you can have that duality. I've talked about duality a lot, but it's okay to simultaneously be like loving life and having fun and being with your friends and doing all these things while also doing this deep work, right? You can do both. You can be you know, having a good time and and feeling happiness on the surface and like deep down and feeling joy. And then also in the same day say, okay, cool. What deep work do I need to do today to continue to up level into the person, into the result that I want? What do I need to do and how can I get there? And you can do that right now. You don't have to like wait until you have a month off that you can like go into a cave and just like do this. No, it's like, it's continuous work and it's fun. Like it really is fun to, to just like feel myself evolving and growing. You know, I, I kind of joke. I love to joke that like, I'm like, you bitches better watch out. (laughs) It's over for you. When I become fully conscious and work through these things and all this, it's over for you. Just kidding. It is a continuous um, journey. Um, But holy cow, the, the amount of just like deep clarity and deep healing and just freaking powerfulness is powerfulness a word I don't know this like deep sense of power that I feel and have felt um you know in these past even especially these past couple months but um gosh it has just been so crazy and I want that for you and it's possible for you and it's it's coming, um, but it takes putting in the work. So I'm so proud of you. We're going to evolve together. We're going to build massive wealth while unlearning these patterns and all the things. Um, and also I will say this again, if you're someone who's like, okay, this is a lot for a 40 minute podcast episode and I want to do this, but I don't really know how a great place to, to do this work with, with a community of people and with the, your coaches and all this stuff is in wealth accelerator. Um, this is what we do, right? It's, it's not just here's how to build wealth and here's how to pay off debt. It's here's how to rewrite these money patterns. So a great, a great thing that you can go and check out if you were inspired by this, by this episode, but all right. Thanks for strapping in. I know it's a longer episode than normal. I went off on a couple tangents. (laughs) 
Um, but thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you back next week for another episode of the Deeper Than Money podcast. Bye.